I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Today we are making a second attempt, not that y'all would know that, but me and Michael both know that, to have an interview with Michael Corbel from the Invictus Mind. We lost the last recording, y'all lost a lot of good stuff, but we're going we're gonna to get into a lot of different uh, factors here, what we think is coming as far as financially, what we think is coming socially, civilly, and uh, tyrannically, if uh, I'm to be accurate. So, what's going on, Michael? How you doing, Tommy? Just living life as best as I can around here. <laughs> yeah? How, how's everything going up there with your wife and everything? Oh, we're good. I mean, I'm putting in double time because she was on the non-essential work list. So uh, they uh, they let her go and we're kind of uncertain about whether the restaurant she works for will be open again. Oh, really? Did she get furloughed or just laid off? Or Well, furloughed, yeah. They just closed the restaurant. So I, I think she wants to go back. I think the owner wants to go back. But we're praying that uh, his business stays, uh, you know, in business. Yeah, uh, it's really a difficult time for everybody. Um you know, even out here with with the truck drivers, we're we're working and we got plenty to do. But um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the places we're going are behind on orders or running late on orders. Um, you know, by some of them, by a couple of days. I just got I just went to pick up a load uh, from Georgia Pacific, and they put me through three different order numbers before they found one that was ready. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's pretty crazy everywhere right now i think so what we saw what the federal reserve did what was it last week week before all these weeks are so long anymore man um and uh where they were you know sending out crumbs to individuals basically paying off the american people to keep their mouth shut uh and not moan and groan too much about them sending pumping trillions of dollars into the economy to pay off bankers and wall street and corporations to stay open and i talked to mike maharry about that we were talking about how that could affect the uh the value of the dollar um how how do you from a financial and an investment standpoint look at look at those things when they are starting to happen well, so when it comes to inflation, there's two factors that uh, that create inflation in an economy. Right. The first one is obviously having more money printed, but uh, the the second factor is really what uh, what, what causes it the most is how much that money is actually being circulated in the economy. So the government could essentially print trillions and trillions of money of dollars of money and just uh, have somebody sit on it. Right. But unless it's actually circulating throughout the economy, it's not going to do anything to inflation rate. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we know, giving money to consumers, especially at this time of need, they're going to start spending money. Mm -hmm. Where that money is being spent on, that's going to be another situation. I think a lot of it is probably going to be spent on rent. So <laughs> the landlords will be have their needs met. But uh, I, I don't know how much consumer spending is going to be taking place at this moment. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I'm suspect about because I was. You know, I'm one of those people that are like, look, man, I'm I'm not I'm not into all these bailouts and all this stimulus, so to speak. But if you're going to be printing out all this money, it's going to affect the dollar in the long run. Give it to the give it to the American people and let them spend it where they want. But that would like you said, that would put the money into the economy and have it circulating and it would cause a great amount of inflation. And I think what they're looking at is all these big corporations and bankers and um, these investors, they're parking that money overseas. So it's never actually hitting the United States economy. It's uh, it's affecting other economies, but it's not uh, going to affect the inflation rate, at least immediately on our economy. It's going to be a very delayed um, type of inflationary uh, rate that we see hitting due to all this. But then I saw yesterday that it, it appears that they're starting to um, prepare the American people to cheer for a new uh, new stimulus bill, a new bailout 
for for more money because uh they're announcing that the the federal the, the federal government the federal government is announcing boogie it's okay buddy sorry hey hey it's okay sorry man um the federal government is announcing that it's no longer going to be testing and providing tests for the coronavirus in specific areas because it, it can't afford it, quote unquote. And then that exact same day, another article comes out that says that the Pentagon doesn't plan on anything changing, that they continue to plan on pumping money into Boeing and Raytheon and all these many uh, war manufacturers. Uh, so, so basically what they're telling us, well, the American people's health can can be at risk as long as we can continue to kill people overseas. And I kind of suspect they're going to use this and they're going to say, well, if you really want us to pick the testing back up and bring the testing back to your uh, your communities, then we're going to have to pass another uh, another bailout, another stimulus bill. And we're going to have to pump another trillion dollars into more of these companies. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's funny because a lot of libertarians will suggest that there is one single agenda that the government has in mind. But uh, I think that mainly we can talk about the war machine and the evils of that and everything like that. But I think mainly the government is mostly incompetent rather than having some kind of evil agenda. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. We can, we, we can talk about all the people it kills around the world and, and, and the harm that it does to, to average folks. But uh, you, you have all these different agencies like talking to each other and sometimes they don't talk to each other. They all have their own agendas. You know, in Washington, there's a hundred thousand special interests out there. So it's a matter of who's crying the loudest as to which, uh, which agenda is going to be uh, touched the most, I think. Well, I think they have an agenda and I think they've always had an agenda. I think the agenda has never changed. I think the agenda has always been the same. You have to pr protect the, the, my, the opulent minority from the majority. And that's what it is. And that's what they, that's how they always operate. You know, the, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer or stay the same. And that's just the way it goes. And they have to make sure that the poor or the middle class or the working class don't, don't over, overtake the, um, the wealthy and the, the, the opulent minority. You know what I'm saying? So I think there is an agenda. I think the agenda is always their own interest though. The interest of the the corporations and the benefactors the cronies that they're all in bed with and in order to keep the machine running and lubed up to an extent so i would i would disagree slightly but i don't think the agenda is necessarily let's go out and be as evil as possible i think the the evil that the government does is is a means to an end you know what I'm saying? I think that's just the it's like a utilitarian kind of a outlook on how to how to do these things. Well, absolutely. I, I think that what most people fail to understand about government is they're driven by the same thing that people who own businesses are driven. In. And you mentioned it yourself, the self-interest. Right. Right. People in government who have achieved some kind of power, their self-interest is to remain in power, is to add to their own uh income ability to add to their own investments and so yeah the the agenda of the government is to to stay in power to get as much as they possibly can and all the intertwining workings that want in that will be affected that way so it is it is driven by self-interest more than anything else do you uh do you worry about like what what's going to come um of this crisis i mean do, do you see anything happening that just overly concerns you besides the financial aspects? Well, that's a that's a good question, Tommy. I mean, I am a man of faith. So in the long run, I believe that uh, the world as it is will work out one way or another. But that does not negate the fact that I think that there is a great transition coming. Um, I think that uh, it's definitely going to be hard for the next 12 to probably 18 months for a lot of people. From a financial perspective, you know, you know, I, I mentioned this to you privately, but uh, I'm a little skeptical of the only in the industry that I'm working in myself. I, I don't really have the answers. I know what has worked. I know what products are out there that can protect people, but I don't have any kind of investment advice or know what the heck the economy is going to do. This is this is new ground for a lot of people, 
And uh, it is going to affect a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to be hurt. However, at the same time, I think that if you see the blessings that could possibly come out of this, it's just a matter of faith in yourself. I, I think a lot of people are going to take this period of time to make transitions in their careers, to make transmission, uh, trans, uh, excuse me, sorry, to make differences in uh, um, their investment strategies. I think that the technology that comes out of this whole thing is going to increase people's ability to work from home, to be able to uh, create their own stream of income instead of actually getting back to the rat race. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta, um, it's, it's really a time right now to reevaluate and, and look at, what what's working and what's not working and you know it's pretty ridiculous that you know the government can determine who's essential and who's non-essential i heard you uh talking to donnie gebbard about this and mike meharry wrote a good article on this in the 10th amendment center or or no for uh peter schiff's blog um but um it's it's really strange to to say well to think that they have the power to determine who's essential and who's non-essential and and on top of that you have this aspect after 9-11 you saw the demonization of of muslims and islam and and a lot of people um were even attacking sikhs and you know and indians and, and this that and the other they just had no idea who was who and and if they, you were even dressed like you were slightly Middle Eastern, a lot of people were were getting up in arms about it. And then then you had this rising here in the last few years. I guess it was probably about five, six years ago, four years ago, where you had this real uptick in in what they called swatting, where they would call the SWAT team on 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 you and accuse you of having drugs and um being a drug dealer and the SWAT team would kick in your door. And a lot of people got hurt, you know, during this practice. And uh, then here recently, you've been seeing the rise of red flag laws. And we just had a guy not that long ago who was, who was killed up in um, Maryland, you know, um, who had done nothing wrong. He owned some firearms and it's suspected that somebody called and reported him and the SWAT team showed up and uh and shot him while he was in his bed so so i look at this and they've created a situation with a um with an invisible enemy when you look at this virus and everybody's a suspect you know everybody's a potential threat everybody's a potential terrorist i can see it like as a truck driver you stop at truck stops and people are kind of looking at each other if somebody even clears their throat people kind of turn their heads and look at them like like is there something wrong so is this going to be a situation where it's going to be hey if you see something say something start reporting your neighbors if they have a cold you know and they get thrown into quarantine or whatever you know, against their will, like it, it kind of worries me the way that society is moving right now. Yeah, I mean, what's the word now? They say there's a bunch of Karens out there trying to report people, right? I refuse and, to call them Karens. That is too humanizing. Yeah, I don't even know where that came from, but I, I thought it was uh, it was cute. But the the, <laughs> point, the point being is that yeah, there is an element of. Uh, uh, Kind of like back in uh, well, that's what they do in North Korea, right? You know, everyone they incentivize the general public to uh, report people to uh, the the government. Well, you're supposed to even report yourself daily. I don't know if you ever read Michael Malice's book, but he talks about that where they do they do self-reporting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's a horrible situation in that country, and yeah. uh, I, I there there's a lot of things that that people can worry about uh, in this country and. You know, you, you can bring up a, a thousand different incidences all over the country about uh, the cops stepping out of line, doing this, you know, uh, killing somebody or uh, arresting them, throwing the cage for just dumb things. And that's going to happen in any country of any size. And, and honestly, Tommy, that's that's one of the challenges that I have with uh, why I'm really strongly pushing towards the secessionist movement 
because here's the thing you mentioned the red flag law in um, in maryland and, and that's a horrible story and i feel bad for the guy and his family and everything that came out of that however what the hell does that have to do with you in texas right you know the thing is like anytime something happens anywhere in the country if it happens in a particular place a city a state then everybody in the country knows about it. it's national news and and then we have reactions to that national news where you know, people say there's a problem with the police or there's a problem with this policy. It's a problem with that policy. And and that's true for that local area. But is that really a, a national problem? And I think that the more people make this issue with uh, coronavirus a national problem, the more we're going to see government get out of hand. And, and that's the biggest problem in this in this, uh, in this whole episode right here. It's, it's painfully obvious that uh, we need to have smaller units of government making decisions locally because then things will not get out of control. Right. Well, and even the local governments, a lot of them have gotten out of control. I mean, shit, you look, and if, I'm, I'm going to be uh, driving into Texas here today and coming through out of Louisiana into Texas, there are checkpoints. And it's it's weird looking, man. It's not like it's not like if there's a natural disaster and the cops like sometimes you'll see the cops on the road and they'll be like, hey, look, it's flooding up ahead. We we uh, would rather you take this detour. It's it's safer. You can go this route. and You can get where you're going. It might take you a little bit longer, but you can get there. It's not that kind of situation. These guys are are flagging people off the road and they're singling out people with Louisiana plates. And it's like, oh, man. So even Texas, who's supposed to be, you know, constitutional, you know, and and really, really the Lone Star State and have its own kind of like set of laws and be like its own little place is is falling into this authoritarianism. And you see that at the levels at the state levels as well. And it just shows you that when you talk about the the secessionist movement or decentralization, however you want to talk about it, this is why Hoppe talked about decentralizing all the way down to the individual and 10,000 Lichtensteins all over the country. He's He was making a point that this authority that you're giving, yeah, it as, as, the, as the size of the landmass shrinks and the government shrinks, the freedom increases, but there's still that potential for an authoritarian government to pop up in one of these states. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're never going to have a, um, a one cure, you know, for everybody rule. Uh, however, you know, I'm an anarchist and I'm not ashamed to say that, but there, there are very few of us in the world, right? People still believe in this uh, representative democracy idea that we have. And we can talk for hours and hours and hours about whether that works or not. But in my estimation, the more representation you have, if you're going to have a government, the more of a voice you have to say, hey, that's not right. right. That's what I'm saying. If something bad happens in Louisiana, okay, well, that's a problem for Louisiana. And I would say it's the responsibility of the, the, the residents or citizens in Louisiana to say, okay, this is not right. What can we do to petition? Here in Illinois, if, if I think that Donald Trump is doing something crazy, there's no way that he's going to hear my voice. It, it, it's never going to reach him. It's right. an impossibility. So there's absolutely no representation. So when you're talking about going down to the smallest unit, sure, you can have a complete anarchist uh, society, but people still want to work together. So there still needs to be communication among the people in that locality. Right. And, um, but, I mean – we're talking uh, a pipe dream of, uh, of anarchists here, right? We have all these philosophies that we want to do. What's the pragmatic thing to do? Well, I don't necessarily have the answer except for continue pushing our message. But uh, I, I think, Tommy, I think one of the challenges that we're seeing right now uh, is I'm listening to a lot of other libertarian podcasts and looking at some of the websites and stuff is that uh, even libertarians don't seem to have an answer as to what takes place today uh, in April of 2020, where we're dealing with this. So, you know, our philosophies will not solve today's problems. Right. And so we can complain about it, or we can just kind of individualize and say, listen, this is how I'm going to take care of my family. This is our plan of action. This is our, if we have a catastrophe, if we have an emergency, these are the, this is the process that we're going to follow to make sure that uh, myself and my people and, and those I care about are, are taking care of it and not relying on government. Right. I think that's the only thing we can do is lead by example. I mean, what good does it do arguing about something that happens 
among 350 million people. It doesn't necessarily, and it sounds, it sounds heartless. It, it does. But the reality is what can I do about somebody in Maryland? Right. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that, um, uh, especially with, uh, the progressive crowd that, um, you know, if you want to call them Karens, I guess we can use that term for now. I like calling them brown shirts, but um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, I, I've noticed that some of them are complaining because the governor of Mississippi refused to shut down Mississippi. And I'm like, well, do you live in Mississippi? Well, no. Okay. So what does that matter to you? Are you even close to Mississippi? Do you interact with people from Mississippi? Like, what does that have to do with you? And 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 they're just like well this is a danger to everybody because it's going to spread and i'm like look look you don't understand mississippi is the poorest country i mean the poorest state in the country all right and miss the mindset of the people from mississippi i can speak to this because i have been really poor i'm talking about 180 dollars a week poor you know that's all i was making at the time I've been super poor, extremely poor, wondering if I'm going to pay the the electric bill or my or my rent. You know, I've I've been in that position. And missing work is not an option. Sorry, I don't care how sick you get, it's not an option. That is not an option for you. You're you spent your whole life fearing losing your income. You spent your whole life fearing missing work. You are not going to change that cycle, that 30-year cycle, that 30-year mindset you've had just because some people start getting a respiratory infection and nobody knows exactly what it is or how bad it is. You, for every, every horrible story we get coming out that says it's the worst thing since the, the plague, you get another story coming out saying, man, these people are overblowing this ridiculously. You've seen that the CDC have even started having to adjust their numbers and their estimates going forward, you know? And so we're, we're in a situation where these people are being so judgmental and so authoritarian. And these are people that were Bernie Sanders supporters, supposedly anti-authoritarian. And now they want to snap down authority on people that have their own concerns and on poor people, the most impoverished people in the country. And it's like, y'all just, as much as you try to sell yourself as the humane people, you're not as humane as you think you are. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really disturbing to see some of this stuff. Yeah, I think there is definitely an element of class warfare there. Uh, I was reading an article here in uh, Chicago as our, our mayor, I don't live in Chicago, so it doesn't really concern me that much, but the, the mayor of Chicago, uh, she was writing an article about how they wanted to give benefits to uh, illegal immigrants. And that's a whole other can of worms to open up about illegal immigration and whatnot. But right. here's the thing. I was asking, what are the benefits they're talking about? Are they talking about money? Are they talking about testing? Because, I mean, if immigrants are exposed to COVID-19, which we know they are because they're alive in our community, right. they, they should be tested, right? So we yes. shouldn't be holding. But, but people are like, well, why should we test them? They're here illegally. It's like, really? Okay, they're here illegally, but you can catch a cold or whatever this thing is the same, whether they're here illegally or not. And so it's like there's a cultural element about, okay, who, who's allowed to be tested? Who's allowed to receive benefits? That is a big problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. I know, uh, I know AOC had come out and said something about, about um, giving illegals the $1,200, you know, um, and, and this, that, and the other. And I mean, I don't know. I at this point, I don't even think it matters if I argue against it. <laughs> you know, it's like um, I I'm much less concerned with with 300 million Americans receiving $1,200 than I am about the trillions of dollars being pumped into you know the war machine and you know the bankers and and all all of this. So I kind of just kind of shrug my shoulders whenever they want to talk about this this $1,200 stimulus package and who should and shouldn't get it. Well, see, to that's the worst. To me, it's probably one of the least important things that we're dealing with at this point in time. 
that's the saddest part about all of this, Tommy, is that this, of course, is a political issue now. Like anything else in life is a political issue. And like, like I said from the beginning, it's now a national political issue. We're dealing with a virus. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how freely I want to say this, but I actually do know somebody who passed away because of COVID. Right. And so there's a lot of people who are saying it's not that bad. You know, it's a whole – I mean – there's there's news there's fake news there's statistics you know how does that word mark uh mark twain say there's there's lies damn lies and statistics right right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and so, and so but now it's a political thing so we're dealing with who gets the twelve hundred dollars whether corporations get the twelve hundred dollars what are we going to do to free ourselves from this virus that's potentially killing people uh, it's foobar you know what that word means right yes i do <laughs> and so that's why I'm kind of, you know, this whole social distancing is a little bit ridiculous, but it's like sometimes I just don't want to talk to people because they're just going to sit there and say things that are going to irritate me. So it's like I'm going to deal with my family, what I got to do to get ahead and the people I know and care about. And, and that's the only way I can, any of us can get through this, I think. Yeah, I no, I agree with you completely. Um, what I've uh, one, one of the things I've been trying to to focus on is is not necessarily the virus itself but it's it's all the like you said the damn lies you know it's like wait a second we know that 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 the fda and the cdc worked in in congruence together and they made this disaster worse and so you know and and then there there's uh faulty information not even from covid but just from influenza and pneumonia that the CDC has been releasing for the last um, for the last five years, six years. And so it's it's you know, my question is, if they are combining the number of deaths from influenza and the number of deaths from pneumonia. And then this year you see um, a drop in deaths from all other causes. But suddenly this one specific disease covid is is skyrocketing are we actually seeing a bunch of covid deaths or is the cdc intentionally manipulating the numbers to make it look like it's worse than it is and that's not to say it's not bad you know my grandma died of of pneumonia in in january so i understand you know what it's like to lose somebody from pneumonia and and I know that covid is is leading to this this really bad bacterial pneumonia and that's what's killing people and the worst part about the way people are dying is they're dying alone because they can't have their their loved ones visiting them in the last moments in the last hours of of their life and so I feel horrible for anybody who's losing friends or family such as yourself i mean it makes me feel really bad for the person but it's not an excuse to lie to all the american people to create a hysteria um and in order to um become more authoritarian and more tyrannical one of the things that they're talking about is this this contact tracing so there the u.s government is working with google to trace your phone and all the locations that you've been. And then from there, they can look at all the locations you've been and all the locations that all these other people have been, and they can find out who you've come in contact with. Well, wait a second. What if I don't want you looking at my phone information? What if I don't want you knowing everywhere I've been? What if I don't think it's your, any of your business, what I've been doing day in and day out. You know, if you would, if you, if I tested positive for COVID and you asked me, could we, could we look at your phone records and your, you know, your GPS locations? More than likely, I would say yes. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. it's, it's taking that option away from me that I am completely against. Yeah, it, you know, technology is a blessing and a curse. Yes. Uh, it always has been because the simplest answer for what you're saying is, okay, well, don't use your phone anymore. They can't track you if you don't use your phone. Right. However, the technology and the way things are is like you can run an entire business on your cell phone, and most people who are doing that are, are doing that, you know. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's always a, uh, it's a Fourth Amendment, uh, you know, privacy issue and, 
I'm not here going to try to solve that issue or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want uh, the government to spy on me. But I also know that you know, I want to run a business. And right. the only thing besides like physical labor, I've done that in my younger years. I don't want to do physical labor for a business anymore. I want right. to do an electronic information business. You know, and that's right. that's the future we live in. So that's what's going to bless my family. So I, I understand that it's like a double-edged sword there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I know like in the in the Philippines, there's there's rumors that the Philippines are starting to put up scanners throughout throughout their cities that scan you as you go by, and will and and registers whether or not you have a fever, and then they can just swoop in on you, you know. And I know there are people like praising that, and and it's like, are, really, is this is this where we're going? Where we're just gonna start having these weird like scanner scanning devices just on the street corners, scanning people as they walk by or drive by, and if you have a fever of any sort, you're you're looking at going into quarantine, no matter what kind of illness you have. It, it's just mm-hmm. really strange that the things how how far and how quickly. I and I think that's what's so so upsetting about the entire thing is how quickly everybody just says please take care of me please take over please i I don't i don't want you know one day it's trump is hitler and he's gonna kill us all and the next day it's oh please daddy trump take care of me and it's like well which is it (laughs) remarkably that uh, as far as people thinking trump is hitler i think he's taking the right approach as much as he can course everybody wants to, to to blame somebody and there's this whole element of scapegoating right and so you see right. the republicans who are praising trump for his actions and you see the democrats are like blaming him for it. he didn't act soon enough but he's like it, from what i've seen trump's like listen this is what i can do as a president and, and the governors are doing what they need to do at their level and i think trump is encouraging that it's, you know you talked a little bit about the federalism aspect right and whether states are authoritarian or not but that's really how the system is supposed to be so I'm kind of looking at Trump like I think he's doing the best he can uh, with the power that he actually has. So I, I, I and then that's far as I'm going to praise him for that much. But uh, <laughs> it's just a it's a sucky situation. Yeah, no, I, I mean for the most part he's he's been fairly light-handed. I mean uh, for the most part he didn't he didn't do national lockdowns or anything like that, which is is fine. Um, I, I I disagree with his invoking the Defense Production Act, but it seems like the only thing he's done at least as of yet, um, with that is uh, order GM to start making ventilators. And it looks like they're going to make 30,000 ventilators and it's going to cost the U.S. $500 million for 30,000 ventilators. So, I mean, I guess I could go look and see what a ventilator costs before I get too upset about that. But I'm pretty sure that that's not efficient. Um, So, yeah, you're right. He has he's he's been kind of moderate as far as I'm concerned, as far as his response. Um, I'm more worried about what the American people are going to demand of government going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. How they're, you know, um, I I did listener questions. I did two listener questions on my last podcast. And um, one of the questions was, are we moving to a dictatorship? And I'm like, well, I don't think we're moving to a dictatorship as far as what you know is a dictatorship, right? We're not going to, we're not going to see the end of Congress. We're not going to see the end of, you know, um, the Senate and the House. We're not going to see the, the this dissolution of um, the Supreme Court. But what we are going to continue to see, which we have seen in the past, is the expansion of executive power, the Senate passing the buck, you know, the House of Representatives not wanting to do their job. The uh, Supreme Court, in in many instances, acting as a rubber stamp for executive power. So it it's not a dictatorship as what most people would think of, but it is definitely um, a very strong, heavy-handed, centralized authority that is going to continue to grow, and that is never a good thing for liberty. And the the continual chipping away of civil liberties and as much as they want to say oh there's a sunset you know there's a sunset on the patriot act but we've seen every time that it comes back up for vote 
including the latest time when everybody's in hysteria and not paying attention, that it, it passes. And nothing sunsets. They don't get rid of any of the powers. Actually, they expand the powers and they make it more powerful and more encompassing. So that's what worries me is these people asking the federal government to take all these authorities to nationalize these industries. All the Democrats are begging Trump to nationalize industries, even in, on one hand and saying he's evil on the other. And so what they're not that what when they pass these legislative actions, these bills, these diktats, they're not going to roll them back and they will not be rolled back. They will become a normal part of everyday American life. And it's not it's not in the furtherance of liberty. It's in the furtherance of more security and more authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Was it uh, Milton Friedman that said there's nothing as permanent as a temporary government program? That's right. Yeah, sure is. What was it? The only thing Reagan ever said that was good is the scariest words in the dictionary are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's the only thing I like about Ronald Reagan is that one quote. <laughs> so, so but yeah, so so when you're looking, I mean, you all right, so you're seeing a different section of society. Most of what I'm seeing is at truck stops, which is once or twice a day, uh, I I interact with people. Um, at where where I'm going and where I'm a, uh, you know, delivering or picking up from, I know those people because I go to the same places all the time. So they're they're not really weird around me. But are you seeing any really strange activity? Do you worry about what society is going to, how society is reacting, where where they're going? Can you make me feel better about my paranoia? Because I'm paranoid. <laughs> well, let's first define that word society. Uh, you know, your culture and my culture and the area of the country you live in can be defined as society for American society, right? But it, we know, I mean, you've talked about this, that your society and my society are different. Right. So I, th I think we need to we need to understand that. Well, what I'm talking um, about is the American, the country at large. I'm talking yeah. about, are we going to see more national diktats come down? Or do you think this is going to, because of the way Trump's handled it, that it's going to continue to be handled at, a, at, a, at, a, at least a state level, maybe if not a community level? Well, here's here's what I've been thinking about, and it, 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 to answer your question fully, I think it depends depends on whether Trump gets elected again. Because despite all this stuff that we're seeing, we still have a national election coming up in, in you know eight months. Right. So, do the people want to battle of the incompetent geezers? <laughs> right. And so, and this is kind of my estimation of the Trump presidency. There are many things I don't like about the man and, it, and what he does. However, the office of president is what it is. Right. And so I think that uh, um, in the overall scheme of things, Trump is going to go. If, if he wins this election, I think he's going to be higher on the uh, on the best president list. Not to say that he's one of the best, but I'm just saying he's going to be higher. Think, yeah, think, I think history will look at him a lot like FDR. Yeah, so he'll be he'll be up there if, if he gets elected again. Yes. If he doesn't get elected, then he's going to be in a lower tier of you know worse presence. But if he can if he can withstand a uh, you know all this Russia collusion stuff and an impeachment and and, and withstand COVID and still get elected, I think history is going to favor him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm however, sure. however, you know the culture, the people. I mean, for, like I said, I, I live in a I live in a small town in the suburbs of Chicago, and so most people around here are just living their lives. I, I go out in the street, and I, I haven't done a whole lot of driving outside of my general community, but you go on the highways, and at night they seem to be slow. They seem to be not a lot of people out there, which is great for traffic. Um, but most people are out here are just doing what they got to do. They're going to the park. They're living their life, and I don't know how they're making income. I, I know my next-door neighbor is a mechanic, so he helped me out with my car the other day, and his wife is uh, in the catering business, so she's affected a little bit, but he's not overreacting or anything. Uh, I think most people right now are, miraculously, most people are just kind of, whether they're scared or they're just, uh, they just want to stay home and relax. We haven't seen the violence or anything yet that could possibly come out of this, right? Right. And so I think that if, if we can find that the COVID virus, the, the numbers are going down and, and they're starting to open up things to go back to work, I, I think people will, 
re retain their, their lifestyle. Now, what the economy does, that's a different story. But for the most part, if people can start going back to work, I think that will pick up some semblance of American society as a whole. Uh, the government's going to see, yeah. Yeah, some normal. Uh, the government's going to do what's going to do, and we're going to see the economic fallout of, of these decisions. Uh, we're not going to see them right away. I think it's going to take probably six months, 12 months. So in the short term, I think, yeah, we're going to have some problems. I mean, we got 12 million or so people out of work. That's going to cause problems, right? Um, I don't think this is the end of the country or anything like that. You know, I think slowly we're changing the paradigm of how things are going. I think uh, when it comes to the structure, we're seeing more of a technocracy. I think I just heard that word the other day. Yeah. Where everything, everything, you know, there there might be more cameras, there might be more trace, uh, you know, uh, traces on where you are, and, and that's always a scary thing. Right. Um, but most average people will just continue to live their life, and and that's the, and I think that's the scariest thing for libertarians in general is that most people are unaware of what's really going on, or they're just accepting what's going on, and they because. Every individual is interested in, in their own self-interest. Right. Right. So unless it actually affects somebody directly, you're not going to see anybody being like, "Well, we got to change that." And, and and that's the problem with the system as a whole is most people are just complacent because they just want to take care of their own families. Right. Well, and this was something I was actually like struggling with before we got on the phone, and I was going back and forth with. And so I want I did want to bring this up in this conversation. So I'm glad you got to it. Okay. Each of us had that one moment that awakening moment right some of some people it was the ron paul moment in the 2008 election some people was 9 11 and they started investigating and seeing all the failures on the part of the intelligence agencies and this that and the other some people it was uh the the election of trump you know but all of us all of us at some point had this moment where we were like wait a second, this isn't right. And we started digging and that's what led us to libertarianism and, and further down the road into anarchy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm wondering this moment right now, the way that the, the governments of the states are handling this moment right now, all the shutdowns, all the lockdowns, forcing people out of, out of work, forcing businesses to shut down, seeing the economy not, I mean, even though the recession was coming and both you and I know it was coming anyway, but seeing how fast it was sped up due to the reactions, the, the horrible reactions of the FDA, the way that the regulations have actually harmed people instead of helped people, the horrible reaction of the CDC. I'm wondering, is it only going to be the libertarians and those that are already paying attention that see this? Or how many people are actually going to this this moment right now is going to be that moment that wakes them up, that that snaps them out of out of their kind of, you know, lethargy and and brings them into the liberty movement. And so that's something that I'm actually tossing around myself. So, I, I mean, I think you're on the right track there. Um, here's the situation, though. It, it depends if libertarians are going to just continue uh, like they always have been, complaining about the government, saying this is bad, this is bad, we should have done that, or are they going to actually have solutions? Because I think in the grand scheme of things, the libertarian movement is, I, I always, it blows my mind because I was part of the libertarian party for a while, mm -hmm. but it seems antithetical to what the philosophy is. You can't, this is not going to be solved with a, a political agenda. So we have to show people, okay, we want to become more independent-minded. We want to show people how we can take care of ourselves more and, and, and push it so the government and the technology of government is less used. Right? We talked a little bit about this with agorism and stuff like that and what people could do. I think that a lot of people – my hope is that a lot of people are, are waking up to that. <laughs> They're realizing that, wow, this system kind of – there's something wrong here. Yeah, I think I think most people know that there's something wrong with the general with the general overall way government is being handled. It I think people are waking up to the fact that we had these two political parties that they pretend to be opposed to each other, but uh, they're really doing the same thing. Uh, and uh, these recessions are just getting worse and worse. Uh, my 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 hope is that people are aware of that, but I think that the answers don't come in in collectively assembling and saying we need to push the Libertarian Party agenda. I think people need to just become independent in their own right and, and, and just see the futility of actually relying on government. 
Now, there are lots of people who won't do that. But, I mean, I think the libertarian message needs to be, well, we're not going to sit there and talk bad about the government and what it does because we know it does. But we need to be more innovative. We need to be more of entrepreneur-minded. We need to be more self-centered, not in a bad way, but, you know, like I said, take care of what's around us in our local communities. That's, that's the only way to solve it. Right. Yeah, no, that's something I've been thinking about as well is how – this is okay so i mean i've heard a lot of people say it and i agree with them like this is unprecedented this this whole situation is is new and i told pete the other day i was i was messaging with him and i told him i said man this is so frustrating because i feel like i'm on my heels like reacting you know to to things and i i want to get ahead of the curb and and actually come up with a strategy to combat this and, and not just be on my heels reacting to what the government's doing constantly, but it's, it's hit everybody. It hit so fast. It was so unexpected and mm -hmm. it, and it hit so hard that it knocked everybody back on their heels. But I think libertarians understanding how government operates, that government is an institution built on conquest and domination that we have an opportunity now to say, okay, this is what they are doing to to limit your liberties. And we need to abandon the old strategy and depending on the old way of thinking and the old lines, and we need to find a new strategy to counter the, the technocracy, to counter and to create more freedom using blockchain technologies and this, that, and the other. And we need more innovators in these areas that are going to to be able to create the technologies that limit the amount of monitoring that the NSA can do on, on, on us as subjects and that we can promote liberty and show how liberty works, you know, and point to the, the situations, you know, the places like Chiron and uh, Michoacan, Mexico, that ran their government out of town and say, look, it works. We, we can actually operate and cooperate together and not have these these lords, you know, ruling over us. And so I really think it's not only a reset for the country, but a reset for the liberty movement and how to move forward and strategize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's always, uh, there's, there's the glasses half full or glasses half empty or uh, you know, you, then you have people like me that says the glass is always full. It's either full of water or full of air and put them together, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm generally more of an optimist about things. I mean, I can go down these weird trails and go down rabbit holes where I'm just like every other regular libertarian saying how much the system sucks and how bad they're doing it to us and how, you know, we're losing freedoms every single day. But I, I think most people resonate to a message of hope rather than a, a message of despair. And so if we say, hey, let's empower individuals, let's show them how they can take control of their lives, let's show them how they can get ahead for next time. Yeah, everyone's, ta everyone's taking a beating right now, e even the successful people. And some, well, maybe I should say some of those corporate cronies are not really taking a beating, but most people are. 95% right. of people are taking a beating in some way during this whole thing. But they're realizing that, okay, whether we ask for it or not, the change has been thrust upon us. Right. So, so now it's like, okay, how do we adapt? And, and that's going to be a, a measure of the human spirit, you know, and I, I, I do believe in the human spirit. I believe that people will prevail. You know, we talk about what the economy is going to do and whether this can be compared to, you know, the Great Depression in the, in the 30s in this country. Economically, sure, on paper, it looks almost the same. Technology-wise, it's not the same. Yeah. We, we, we have so many more opportunities now today than we ever did in the history of this country. And so it's one of, okay, what am I going to think about? How am I going to better myself? Uh, yes, this system has, has, has doomed me periodically, but am I going to just sit there and give up? Or am I going to continue to go forward? Right, right. Yeah, well, you say that the glass is always full of air and water, and I say, oh, shit, I dropped the glass, and now it's all over my fucking floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just a matter of perspective. <laughs> damn glass why did you give me a glass you should have given me a cup yeah you no know i'm a klutz <laughs> so, yeah 
but you no, know, you're right, man. You're right. And it, it is a matter of perspective and it is a matter of, you know, getting your, getting yourself and your family in order. You can't, you can't take the opportunity to go help anybody if you're stressed out about your own family. And there's, right. and, and you're, if you're, you know, leaders lead by example, you know, and that's one thing I always, I always push um, about the federal government. And it is, I'm always, I'm always trying to communicate to people, look, if you acted in this manner, you would be in prison. This is not the proper manner to act. They, they should be leading by example, not by force, you know, and that's kind of my whole thing. It's like lead by example, not by force, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, that took me, it took me a long time to learn that, to figure that out. And, and even in my own personal life, but so, yeah, I'm doing things to, uh, sure up my family and my security at home, you know, and I, I suggest everybody listening to this do the same to the best of their ability, whatever they can do, whether it's, you know, create community gardens or, or, you know, participate in agorism or whatever, you know, do, do what you can to sure up your family and your future to hell with the, the governmental system. You operate to the best of your ability as a free human being. If they're going to, if they're going to victimize you for nonviolence and noncompliance in a nonviolent way, then you're going to get a lot more sympathy from people than if they if they were to victimize you for being aggressive and taking aggressive action. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I think any revolutionary act that we should be looking at taking should always be nonviolent revolution. I agree completely. Uh, you know, I've, I've been studying pacifism uh, for uh, quite some time now. I, I can't say that I'm completely uh, going to go that direction because I want to be able to protect my family. But uh, I think that uh, any kind of change or a revolution is sometimes used, uh, it needs to be done peacefully because if we start using force, then we're just going to have force thrust upon us and it's just going to create an even worse situation. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, it's easy for the, for lack of a better term, the bootlickers to demonize someone who, sh who shot at a cop, even if they shot back at the cop, you know, mm -hmm. and um, shit, they even demonize people that didn't shoot at the cop that had a gun. You know what I'm saying? But if by chance... I'm running a fruit stand or a vegetable stand or something on the side of the road and I'm getting ticketed or I'm getting arrested, then I have nothing but, you know, I can, I can at least garner some of that sympathy and, and get people on my side and say, Hey, look, I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, now, I mean, the, the control, the control of information is something that, is is major and it's why people like you and me started our podcast because it's like well, i'm tired of these people having a monopoly on the information i can get out my message too you know this message is important and whereas i'm nowhere near the size of of uh free man beyond the wall or tom woods or dave smith but maybe i have a couple of different listeners maybe they kind of like my style and the way that i approach things more than they like tom woods or, or Dave Smith or, or Pete, you know, it's just, we're just stylistically different in the way that we approach these principles, but we're all, we're all maintaining the exact same principles. We're not doing mm -hmm. harm to peaceful people. And that's what it's about. We're looking at more freedom, more liberty. Me, it's not for myself. I don't plan on seeing freedom in my lifetime. This is for my granddaughter. You know what I'm saying? I have a granddaughter now. I'm like, man, I'm too young to be a grandpa, but I'm already a grandpa. Fuck it. You know, I want that girl to, to have as much freedom, whether financial and social as possible. And, you know, so this is my fight. This is the cross I'm bearing now, you know, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Again, not to interject my faith here, but the, the family is the central unit of, uh, or the basic unit of society. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, in my faith, we're taught that we're saved as families. We're not saved as communities. We're not saved as a, as a country. We're not saved as a, anything more than, uh, you know, husband and wife and, and you know, son and daughter and, and that kind of stuff. Right. And so, yeah, you got you to take care of your children, your grandchildren, you know, your, your brothers and sisters, mom and dad, all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that's, that's the most important thing. However, as times become scarier and scarier, I think that uh, not only families need to be tight together, but, you know, we do need to form somewhat of types of communities, you know, whether they're local communities or who was it that said, maybe it might've been Pete or it might've been uh, somebody on his show talked about how all of us podcasters in the libertarian world, you know, we're starting to talk to each other. You know, I see some of these podcasters doing shows collectively together and forming these little uh, online communities. I think that we need to be able to strengthen each other in that regards. You know, what's going on in Texas? What's going on in LA? If we're gonna if we're gonna keep any kind of semblance of freedom, we need that we need to strengthen our own families, but we need to form some kind of community too, because I, I think t both of them together will help us. Yeah, yeah, that cohesion. You're, you're, I mean, if nothing else, that moral support, you know, of other people fighting that same battle, you're not alone, you know, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes uh, when you're on a, on a, you're releasing podcasts and I'm, I'm like, man, I don't even know if I'm covering, if I'm hitting the subject properly. And, you know, it, it always feels good when, when someone, when either you or Pete or, or another podcaster comes back and says, man, I really love that show, man. You did a great job on that one. And I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, cool, thanks. You know, like, all right, I know that I'm at least on the right track. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the right points. I'm doing the right things. And that always feels good. And and it gives you that little extra, that little extra boost. Because most of us are doing this for free. You know, not all of us are getting paid to do this. You know, we're taking our own time and we're doing this. And because we, we're passionate about the message and it's something that like these these principles and these ideas we feel strongly about and we feel like if more people were exposed to them then they would also feel strongly about them you know absolutely so but hey man we're running up on an hour uh you want to you want to cut it off here you got some more to say <laughs> i don't know my wife keeps begging me uh, to go downstairs so i might have to go and see what she's up to uh, you know i I think that you're on the right track, Tommy. You know, myself, I, I'd hope to be able to grow my audience and, and get my message out. Yeah, I mean, everyone starts as a hobby and it's free. I, I, I see some of the big name people out there making a living out of it. That's kind of my personal goal. I don't know quite sure how to do that yet, but I'm, I'm taking a step by step, just building relationships and making connections and marketing my message. Uh, not only because I think it's important, it definitely is important, but. Uh, Hey, if I'm going to take advantage of this uh, system that we have right now, where everything seems to be breaking down, and and I see other people making a living doing what I love to talk about, then I'm going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> well, I'm taking the field of dreams approach. If you build it, they will come. So I just keep, I just keep trying to put out one or two episodes every week as much as I can, depending on how busy I am out here on the road. And you know, you know, some people seem to like it, and the audience is growing. You know, every once in a while, I'll see this really large burst where I get like a bunch of member, you know, a bunch of new listeners. And then uh, it kind of, it kind of dwindles down a little bit. And then six, seven months later, you get another large burst, you know, and it's like, okay, well, that's the way it grows. That's the way it grows, whatever. Yeah. So, but yeah. All right, man. Well, any last thoughts? Should, should people be uh, positive moving forward, negative moving forward, sick and tired of moving forward? How should they feel? <laughs> I think people should always try to be positive in their mindset and in their heart because uh, uh, there's a saying that we're all in this together, but you know we're all it's all happening at the same time. Whether we're in it together or not, uh, taking a positive approach to life is always going to be better than taking a negative approach. And uh, you know I'll just end with this. I'm going to plug my uh, my website and my podcast. You better. I was about to ask you to. So the the Invictus Mind podcast has about 20 episodes. I'm releasing my 20th episode actually next week. This weekend I'm going to do my 19th. But then uh, I might change the format a little bit. However, what I'm doing with my Invictus Mind podcast, I have the Invictus Mind website, which has some recommended readings, uh, some books on there. And uh, I created a Facebook group just for the Invictus Mind. The, the word Invictus means unconquerable. So to me, that means that no matter what system is thrust upon me, they can't, they can't hold me back. No matter what system 
uh, of government or what system of community. I'm going to do what I'm going to do because that's my will and that's my spirit. And um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people build systems in their own mind. They they start thinking negatively. They start putting limitations on what they can achieve. And I, I just can't subscribe to that mindset. So it's always an individual pursuit. Uh, and 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 liberty is within the uh, six inches between your ears, because there have been examples of people taking away your physical freedoms, but how you react and how you think about that is really what makes all the difference. So that's my biggest message, Tommy. All right, Mike. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I will hope to have you on again shortly, and I know we'll be chatting here in the meantime. So that was Michael Corbel. Uh, I always say Corbel, and I know you say Corbell. And I don't. Maybe it's that Southern in me. I don't know. Anyway, I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.